Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is the force that is Gary Witta. Good morning to you, Blessing. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Gary Witta? Happy New Year. I'm I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Are you excited about 2021? I am, actually. I'm very optimistic about uh, 2021. Certainly can't be any worse than, than what we just went through. Um... You know, the, the the first full year of the new generation, right? Gaming-wise, that's exciting. Yeah. Speaking of which, the reason I ask, Jordan Maddox wrote in to patreon.com slash games, just like you can, and says, out of all that 2021 has to bring with it, what is your scope of how this year will shake out? Any predictions to what might be delayed after the Cyberpunk 2077 debacle? What game do you think will bring the next uh, big boom in, in gaming, similar to Fall Guys, Among Us, etc.? What announced game do you think has the most potential for Game of the Year this year? There's a lot of questions in there, Gary. But the, the, for the for the overall of it, what are your what are your feelings for gaming in 2021? What do you think is going to be your Game of the Year? What do you think is going to be a big game that people should look out for? All that stuff. It's January 6th, blessing. Are we really going to yeah. talk about Game of the Year already? Yeah, Bloody hell, it's a bit early. Um, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, you know, we already know what some of the major, major titles coming out are going to be, right? Breath of the Wild 2, God of War 2, uh, Halo Infinite. We know what the big, big ones are going to be. But, you know, I think what 2020 taught us is that increasingly, uh, you know, the game of the year can, can, can come from left field, like Fall Guys, which is my personal game of the year. Hades, who saw that coming, right? That was a, a, a lot, that was game of the year for a lot of people. Hades was a big, big hit. Would you would you have would you have predicted that January sixth of last year? I don't think so. So who the hell knows? Predictions. Try, trying to make these kind of predictions is a mugs game. Blessing. I'm yeah. going to stay out of it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really excited for this year because I feel like usually at the beginning of previous years we could we could foresee the future, right? Like we could easily be like, okay, 2020 game of the year is probably going to be between Last of Us Part Two and Cyberpunk. Uh, and like, of course, like we we didn't see Hades coming, uh, and so that stuff throws an exciting wrench into it. Twenty twenty one, I think you could easily be like, okay, God of War Ragnarok, but I think most of us think that game that game's gonna get delayed, right? And so like, who knows? Then you have Breath of the Wild two, which still doesn't still doesn't technically have a release date, and so that's another one of we'll see. Overwatch two is in there too, which I expect will be twenty twenty one, but again, who knows? Uh, this year is such. I think a mystery for quite a few big games, but then quite a few games that we've just been anticipating for a while. Uh, and so that's, that's exciting from that standpoint also. In terms of games, like, like you said, games that we don't necessarily see coming, there are a few indie games that I'm excited for that I don't know, like I can't predict on like a Hades level or like a Fall Guys level because who knows. Uh, but there are some indie games that I think could have the chance to be a, a big thing or be exciting or maybe even reach that game of the year level. Uh, you know, 12 Minutes is a game that I know a lot of people are looking forward to and are excited for, and that's one that I'm excited for. Uh, Kevin, I have a trailer here for a game called She Dreams Elsewhere, which I think I've talked about on shows before. Um, but if you want to play the trailer, you don't have to play it with sound. You just play it as I'm talking. Uh, but that's another game that I'm personally excited for. It's a game that is stylized a bit like uh, in Undertale or in Earthbound. It's that type of game. Uh, and I've seen it at PAXs before, and I'm very excited, excited about it, very much looking forward to it. Uh, there's Stray which is like kind of a low key game. It was at that place. It was at that PlayStation presentation that they did in June. And I know a lot of people were excited about that. It's like the Man. cat game that people are looking forward to. Real quick. Kevin, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not pulling up the, the, the trailer. I'm having some trouble finding the time codes doc. So 
That's oh, a, okay. It should be like if if you're if you're looking at the KFGD doc, it should be like next to nah, Cheat Dreams. I'm, I'm having probably playing the KFGD doc. Oh, my, okay. My like yeah. Sorry. Oh, take your time. Take I mean, your time. New Year, same about. Kevin. And fuck you, Gary. <laughs> I am also looking forward to Outriders. I don't know how much you've been you've been keeping up with Outriders. Remind me which one that is again. It's the game from the dev People Can Fly. Uh, it's a third-person shooter. It seems like a mix between like Gears and Destiny. Has that kind of vibe? Okay. Sci-fi fantasy-looking game. Uh, me and Andy have been very excited about it. Both me and him previewed it uh, last year in like August, and we we're both pleasantly surprised by how fun it was. And that's the game that was going to come out in February, got delayed today, and we'll actually talk about about that later in the show. Um, Kevin, is... Kevin's pulled up. This is She Dreams Elsewhere I was talking about before. Sorry, but um, was really late. I know, man. Do your thing. Do your thing, Kevin. Oh, well, this almost um, looks like an old ZX Spectrum game or something with the color palette. Yeah. Look at that. Very, very retro. Yeah, black and white with, like, some cool colors sprinkled in. Yeah. Cool style. Again, like, reminds me a bit of Earthbound. It reminds me also a bit of Undertale. Has that? Is it? That is it just? Let me let it. me ask you a question in general, blessing. And I, I don't get me wrong, because I do love it. Because I'm from this era. I'm old enough to remember when games actually looked like this. When retro games were just games. Are you not though getting a little bit tired of this retro aesthetic? I kind of feel like it's get, getting a bit overused at this point. We see it all the time. This this kind of faux eight bit, sixteen bit aesthetic. Do you feel like they feel like it's a little bit overdone? I get tired of it in certain contexts i'm kind of tired of metroidvanias in that style because i feel mm -hmm. like we've gotten so many right understandably so because people love castlevania people love super metroid and so i get it like i get why people would want to make that game over and over and over again uh i really do enjoy like the rpgs in that style and so like that i don't have as much of a of a uh, issue with maybe years down the line once we get like a million more at that point, I'll hit that, but I haven't hit it with that yet. I've been surprised to not see more games take on, like, the N64 PS1 era style. And, like, I know that's less enticing because those games kind of look ugly now. And so it's, they it do. might be... They, that, that generation, I say it all the time, the PlayStation 1 and the N64 generation, which was the first generation to really try and kind of make that first kind of tricky leap from 2D into 3D, that's the generation of games that has aged the least well. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And like, and so in, th in that sense, I understand why we get more games that are going after the Genesis or Super Nintendo style. Uh, but for me, as somebody who grew up with an N sixty four and absolutely loves that era, there are things about those games, like the Mario sixty fours and the Banjos and all that stuff, that I think could appeal very well to people uh, uh, nowadays. And like, we get that here and there. Like, we got Ukulele, we got Hat in Time, we got the Crash Collection and games like that. But I. I don't know. I, I kind of want to see like more original takes on that. Like I want, I've wanted to see more uh, people take that idea and make something that feels truly unique, as opposed to okay, we're gonna carbon copy Banjo Kazooie and put it out again. Um, and so, like as we go, I'm I'm curious to see if we get that same level of okay, I'm making a game from my childhood, and the people that made the games from their childhood who are making the Super Nintendo games, right, grow up, and now we're getting people who grew up with an SD4 or with a PS2 and Xbox making games from their childhood that reflect like time splitters or halo or whatever that may be i think that is an exciting prospect but i i, I hear what you're saying though in, t in terms of being a bit tired of that same 8-bit 16-bit aesthetic what's your what's your number one wish for 2021 black like, the predictions are hard but like what do you most want to see in terms of games breath of the wild 2 mm -hmm. and or overwatch 2 like both of those would be my number one picks for games that i truly want to come out this year in general 
I'd like to see games come out of left field and just surprise us. I think that's a very exciting thing. I'll, I'll never forget in 20, I think it was 2015, where we got Fallout 4 at E3, and then it came out later in the year. Like, I want to see more of that. I want to see more games kind of come out of nowhere, whether big games or small, small games, whatever, uh, and kind of take us by surprise. Because I think that's, like, the most exciting thing. Miles Morales last year, last year was super exciting because it kind of came out of left field and none of us were really expecting it, and we got to play it. Same with Demon's Souls. Uh, I love that stuff, and so... That's kind of what I'm what I'm Yeah, and I think to. you are going to see more of that. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, nobody really saw Fall Guys coming. Nobody saw Hades coming. Um, certainly not in terms of them making the impact that they did. And I think that's, you know, it's it's easy to kind of, you know, to me, like God of War 2, Breath of the Wild 2, Overwatch 2 are kind of the least exciting games. Only, in the, not that they won't be good games. I'm sure they all will be. But in the sense that they are kind of like the most known quantities. Like, we can kind of roughly imagine, like, the shape and the feel of what those games are going to be. They're not going to, they're not going to shock us. Like when they, when they take the wraps off God of War 2, it's unlikely we're going to go, Oh my God, what do they do? This like, we didn't see this coming. Like it's going to be more God of War. It's going to be great. Good. Yeah. It's going to be more of what we already know uh, that we like. Whereas, you know, I, the things that I enjoy seeing are like, Oh my God, what is this? Like, we didn't even know this was coming. Like the big, like weird out of the, out of the, you know, out of left field type surprises. And 2020 had a bunch of those. So I, I think 2021, um, isn't going to continue that tradition. The other thing, by the way, just in terms of predictions, I think we will see this year. And, you know, as, as, a, as a proud member of the uh, kind of funny uh, X cast, which of course will be continuing in 2021. Very glad to, to have delivered yeah. uh, that news at the, uh, at the top of the year. We're going to keep going with the X cast um, is I think, well, I think we will finally get more clarity on this very uh, currently very big unanswered question of like, what does Bethesda look like going forward under the Xbox, under the Microsoft uh, umbrella you know which of those titles are going to become xbox exclusives um you know there's so many great there's so many great uh series under the under the bethesda um you know the Zenimax umbrella you know the 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 doom games the wolfenstein games you know elder scrolls obviously um fallout on and on it goes like i really want to see what the future and and, and bethesda struggled a bit the last year or two you know there's big stumbles with uh fallout 76 and you know they I, so it'd be really really interesting to see what the future of all of those uh, mm. uh franchises looks like um uh you know now that it's under new management basically well gary we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to talk a little bit about uh respawn and what they're they got going on in the future uh and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when you get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post-show. Housekeeping for you, uh, this week's Kind of Funny Games cast is up right now uh, and we're discussing best of 2020. Our official Game of the Year episode is on its way next week, so be on the lookout for that on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producer, Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by ExpressVPN, Honey, and PillPack. But I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be the Rope Report. Five stories today. A Baker's Dozen. 
starting with our number one is respawn working on a new game question mark question mark question mark this is from isaac mcintyre at dick Serto. According to a now-removed job listing posted on Respawn's website, the studio is putting together an incubation team to develop a brand new IP or intellectual property. The advertisement calls for a generalist software engineer. The listing has, a re- has relatively few details on the project itself, besides confirming the title will use new practical technologies to, en- to enable, quote, adventuring forever. This may suggest a live long-term game with ongoing Respawn Entertainment support. Outside of the relatively vague job listing, there has been no official word from the North American studio regarding a new game or series in development. The revelation a new IP is on the way comes just months after Respawn shifted much of their Apex development team to a new studio in Vancouver. At that time, rumors were Respawn was already cooking up a new title in their car or a new title in their old Californian locale. The only word then, though, was that it wasn't Titanfall 3. Gary Witta. Respawn Entertainment, working on a new game that's not Titanfall 3. Does that upset you at all? Um, no. I mean, it certainly doesn't excite me. It certainly doesn't upset me that Respawn is working on a, uh, on a new secret game. Quite the opposite. You know, Respawn mm-hmm. is one of the few um, developers left that has, like, an absolutely unimpeachable reputation. You know, one of the sad things, I think, for the last few years is we've seen a lot of developers that, you know, previously we, we felt could do no wrong. Uh, make big, big stumbles. We were just talking about Bethesda just a moment ago with you know Fallout seventy six and and some of the and some of the things, uh, some of the moves they've made in in the last couple of years to kind of ding their otherwise uh, previously flawless reputation as a developer of great games. Blizzard obviously made some big missteps uh, in the last year or two. CD Projekt Red, obviously the latest one to kind of add to that list, is very very sad to see that. Um, but you know, but so Respawn is one of the few left where it's like, man, when, when's the last time Respawn made a bad made a bad game? Have they ever? You know, like they're that, that's a really really good team, and it's one of the one of those one of the few names left in gaming where like, if you tell me Respawn's making a new game, like I'm immediately kind of sitting up and t- and taking notice. And if you remember, you know, we were talking about surprises, uh, blessing. That was one of the great surprises, right? Remember, Apex Legends came out of nowhere. Remember, they just dropped yeah. it. Like, like, oh, here's a new game, and it's free. And it's really good, and 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 uh, people love that. So let's have some more of that. Um, I'm a Titanfall fan. I never played Titanfall two, which I know is a big mistake, oh, and I'm supposed no. to play it. I know, I know, I know. That I'm gonna play man. it. I'm gonna play. They tell me the campaign is great. I'm sure if I had played Titanfall two, I'd be more. I would be more upset that Titanfall three wasn't coming because I don't know anyone who played Titanfall two and didn't love it. I think it's on Game Pass, man. I, just, I got really no excuse. I gotta, yeah. go, I gotta go. I gotta go grab it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just excited that Respawn's working on anything. Though. That's a really, really uh, great team that they have, uh, have over there. I mean, you know, even they even broke the kind of the gaming Star Wars uh, curse, right? They, they, they had struggled to kind of get a, new, a, a good new Star Wars game out of the gate under the new, under the new uh, kind of Disney uh, regime uh, and that EA deal. And Jedi Fallen Order was the first one that kind of broke that curse. Oh, wow, this is a really, really good game. Um, so I'm excited to see anything that Respawn does, basically. Titanfall uh or not yeah no i'm right there with you respawn is a very talented developer and i i played titanfall 2 i really enjoyed that campaign uh it doesn't surprise me that they're not working on titanfall 3 uh one because obviously like titanfall 2 kind of got screwed in terms of sales because of the way that it was positioned up against games like battlefield and uh call of duty uh but then also with the success of apex legends if they're going to work on something that is going to be iterative of an ip that they already own and work with I would imagine that they're going to work on an Apex Legends game, which would, in theory, be in the Titanfall universe, and so that all could line up 
I wouldn't be surprised if they have a, if they make a new game that is either like Apex coin something or something else that is entirely new that is a part of that entire universe because it seems like they have something special going on with that. Like Titanfall, awesome. Like they they they, they killed it. They did it. Apex, amazing. Like they they did it. They've killed it. Um, or like killed it isn't like they've done well. Not like killed it isn't like they've done away with it. Uh, I. They got such something so good going with that universe that I think they could build up to something interesting. If they yeah. did want to do another campaign, like what does that look like with would, the world that they've set up? I'm now I'm not Apex. An, I'm not an Apex Legends player, but I really like the aesthetic and I really like the characters that they've created. It seems like they created a good a, a good universe and it, they've done a lot of good world building. But the nature of the game, which is this you know kind of very iterative you know re, you know recycle you know battle royale shooter doesn't really allow them to explore the mythology very much. So maybe if there was like, you know, some kind of Apex Legends uh, spin-off game that was more, you know, story-based, like with a campaign or something, that would be cool. Yeah. And they mentioned uh, the job, the job listing mentioned the idea of adventuring forever, which lends itself to something that is like a live service game. And so maybe yeah. it, it, it could be a Destiny, you know, it could be a... It could be a Sea of Thieves, even though I don't know if that fits with how Respawn works as a studio. But it could be that, you know, like, I think either way, it speaks to something exciting. Respawn, you're exactly right. That Respawn, I don't think, has had a miss. Uh, I didn't play the Medal of Honor VR game, but I just, I, I assume it was fine. I assume it was good. I haven't heard much, many people talk about it. But, like, aside from that, right, like, Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2, uh, 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 Apex, Jedi Fallen Order have all had people flock to it and really enjoy it i mean one of them like i have no reason to doubt them one of the one of the things um that the people at respawn have shown they're really good at even from their days when they were still you know infinity ward before they you know kind of became those refugees and restarted their own company uh through titanfall one and two particularly two jedi fallen order and some of the call of duty stuff that does they they're they're good storytellers they have a good story department over there and right now, I kind of feel I, I feel like it's a bit wasted, you know, because again, the it's the same it's the same issue I have with with Riot Games. Like they they have this they built this amazing mythology and all these incredible characters for League of Legends, but it's in service of a game that doesn't really allow them to explore that mythology, you know, because you're just constantly battling each other in a multiplayer space. There's not really any story or narrative context, which I you know that's not to everyone's um, uh, uh, preference, but I I like story in my games, and I know that. Uh, Respawn, I have really, really good chops when it comes to you know, in-game storytelling and world building. So I'd like to see them pursue a game that lets them, you know, flex that a little bit more. I think the Apex Legends universe uh, is really interesting and maybe a, a good, a good springboard for uh, um, more story, a more storytelling-based game. Well, speaking of new mystery projects, uh, Gary, earlier in the show, you mentioned, you know, wondering what Bethesda is going to do uh, now that they're under under uh, Microsoft. Uh, story number two, a Dishonored, a Dishonored co-creator is working on a new Arcane game. Uh, this comes from Jordan Alleman at IGN. Uh, Dishonored co-creator Harvey Smith is working on an unannounced new game at Arcane Austin alongside devs from the Dishonored and Prey teams. Speaking to Vandal and translated by IGN, Smith explained that he had moved back to Austin after completing Dishonored 2 at Arcane's Leon Studio and confirmed that he's not part of the, of the company's next game, but a separate unannounced project. Quote, I'm not on Deathloop. I'm on something else, working with the guys who made Dishonored in Prey. End quote. 
Smith makes no further mention of what the project could be, nor how far away it might be. It's possible that it could be a new Dishonored game, but we already know that any sequel to the much-loved immersive sim series would feature new characters after the death of the Outsiders expand alone marked the end of the series as we know it. Whatever the game ends up being, it will be a part of the new of it will be part of the new era of Microsoft-owned Bethesda games, meaning it would almost certainly launch into, into Game Pass and perhaps even be an Xbox exclusive. Gary with a host of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, what is your take on a new arcane game? I mean, this is what we're talking about. I, you know, one of the things that makes me sit up and take notice is like who's, you know, whether it be a film or a TV show or a book or a comic or a video game, is like who's making it? Like, you know, what, what's their pedigree? Have they made stuff in the past that I enjoy it's like for example like if the cohen brothers make a new movie i'm going like i just that's all i need to know right is that i don't need to know who's in it or what it's about i just need to know that those are the guys that made the movie and i because i know it's going to be good or, or at least interesting and it's going to do something different and i'm going to you know really appreciate it um i feel the same way about games there are certain developers out there where if i hear that uh, this person or that person or this team or that team's making a game i'm already interested based on what i know they've done in the past and you know arcane is has, has emerged as a studio uh that does really you know interesting and different cool stuff so yeah again you tell me they're making they're working on a new game you already have my attention i'm, I'm leaning in right away for sure yeah i think this is super exciting death loop is one of my most anticipated games of this year and arcane they have approved they have a proven track record with dishonored especially uh and the idea that they're they're working on multiple projects, right? Like, which isn't which isn't crazy because I, I believe it was Arcane that did Prey also, um, and so like they they've had that and the, they've done that before, right? Where they have multiple projects going at the same time. So that alone is exciting. Um, the idea that we're getting new Arcane projects under this new Microsoft-owned Bethesda has me curious to see what that does to the future of the studio and for all the 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 Bethesda studios in general, like. I know they've they've had interviews and talks and stuff, and where um, they've talked about how Microsoft has talked about how yeah we're not meddling too much with how Bethesda does things. Like the Bethesda studios are still operating pretty much as Bethesda studios. Uh, I do wonder though how that feeds into one Game Pass, how that feeds into also like them possibly being exclusive, and what it does to scope, and if they feel any incentive to hey you know we're under this new first party. Let's scope up because we only have to we only have to focus on the Xbox platform along with PC. Uh, and what does that do to their games? Very exciting stuff. Very into it. Yeah, like I said, this all this stuff will come into greater focus in 2021. So that's what I'm here for. Story number three: Could Xbox be considering adding DualSense features? This is from Jordan Alleman at IGN. A survey sent to owners of the next-gen Xbox consoles is querying whether users would appreciate the features of the PS5's DualSense in their Series X or S controller. As reported by TechRadar, the console experience survey asks owners whether they think the Xbox Series X, quote, feels next-gen, and later asks whether they feel like they are missing out in the peripherals department. Quote, I am aware of features on PlayStation controllers, and I wish, and I wish were on the controller that came with this console. The question reads... This is, of course, referring to the PlayStation 5's DualSense, DualSense, which offers adaptive triggers for, sti for simulating resistance and provides, pre pre provides precise haptic feedback with the goal of increasing immersion in games. By comparison, the, the Series X controller wasn't too much of a jump from the last generation, despite the addition of features like a dedicated share button and textured triggers. 
Microsoft's interest in these questions will suggest that they're at they're at least thinking about upgrading the next-gen controllers in the future to line up with Sony's offering in the current generation. While that line of thought doesn't necessarily promise changes in the future, Xbox has a recent history of adding well-received features on other consoles, uh, console controllers to its own. The Xbox controller adopted a 3.5mm jack partway through the last generation, for example. Gary, does the idea of them... Uh, does the idea of Xbox adding in "quote unquote" dual sense features uh, into their own controllers excite you at all? Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's likely to happen anytime soon because that's not just something you could patch in with a firmware update, right? I presume that would that, would that would have to be a new model of controller because it's specific hardware in the dual sense that's allowing it to do those things. I will say this, and I'll say you know, even as a as a as part of the uh, the Xbox side of of uh, the kind of funny empire, I think that when it comes to the controller there's a there's a lot you know there's a lot that's very similar between the series x and the playstation 5 they've both got mostly the same games they've both got mostly the same uh power they both offer mostly the same features when it comes to the controller i think sony flat out beat microsoft this round uh i think that the xbox series x controller is a terrific controller i love it but the reason why i love it is because i liked the last controller as well and it basically is the last controller it was it was a small evolution of the last gen controller but it's still basically a last gen controller the dual sense is a next gen controller and it really feels like one the microphone the speaker i know that the ps4 had some of that as well but the microphone the speaker and particularly i don't know what you call it i guess they call it dual sense or like hd rumble or you yeah, know, haptic some, some of the, the, the haptic stuff is when I, so I play, um, my wife, my daughter and I all play Sackboy together, three players, if you played Sackboy, but it makes tremendous use of those dual sense features. Like when you pop little bubbles and, and things, you know, you get a real, like a real high definition sense of um, what's happening in the game based on how the controller feels in your hand, as opposed to. You know, outside of that, on whether it be X, it really is just Xbox now because the Switch does this as well. The Joy-Cons have these same features. Remember that thing where you could like rattle the ice cubes in a glass with the Joy-Con oh, yeah. and it really One felt like that? They have that great stuff. The Xbox, I think, as much as I love Xbox and I think Series X is a great uh, system and the, and the, and the controller is a, a great controller, it's stuck. It's still stuck in kind of the caveman age of, of uh, you know, rumble. Uh, it's basically it, it basically just like just vibrates or buzzes, you know, to different levels of uh, of um, of kind of aggression. So, oh, this is a really aggressive rumble, or this is a very light rumble. But it really is just rumble. There's not there's not really any definition to it. The dual sense rumble really feels like the controller's doing something. It's like man, it really feels like it's responding to you. And this is you know, we've all seen like you know the the pulling back on the triggers. Now the different guns in Cold War have you know different trigger pulls and things like that. And uh, you know, the tension on pulling back an arrow and all these things that we've seen. And we're just at the beginning, I think, of, of seeing game designers really exploit that stuff. Um, I, I, I think that Microsoft privately is probably kicking themselves a little bit that Sony really kind of leapfrogged them on the controller this generation. And may, maybe, there, maybe there will be an opportunity halfway through this generation, not, not right away because it's too early, but at some, some point down the road, maybe a new elite controller or some kind of a more advanced controller that uh, will bridge that gap between uh, the Xbox, the current Xbox controller and the current PlayStation controller, because there is a gap. There is a gap. I, I, I think that the biggest thing that Sony did this year was a massive, massive improvement in the controller. For me personally, I never liked the DualShock 4, uh, but, I, but I really like the, 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 the DualSense controller a lot. And a big part of it is that rumble. And I, and I, and I think it makes mm -hmm. the Xbox controller now look 
quite primitive by by uh, by comparison. Again, I still love the Xbox controller, but they didn't really do that much with it. And Sony showed that when you um, when you add next gen features to a console, the controller is part of that experience. And I don't think Microsoft put a ton of thought into the controller this year. They just ah, we got this is already a great controller, already a great controller. What do we really need to do? It was a it was a it was interesting to see these kind of two different. Uh, philosophies, you know, evolution on the Microsoft side. Let's just, you know, we'll just tweak it. We'll add a share button. We'll add, we'll, we'll add a couple of little minor features, but it's basically the same thing versus revolution on the Sony side. So like, we're going to rethink this controller from the ground up. And I really yeah. like what Sony did with that controller. What do you think? I, I think this is 1000% going to happen. I think Microsoft, uh, the methodology in terms of what their controllers look like this time around, I think came down to on the Xbox side, them going, well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like people love the Xbox one controller. I really dig the Xbox one controller. I think it feels amazing uh, in your hand. And like the small uh, upgrades they added to the Xbox controller being that textured grip in the share button, you know, mm-hmm. even though feel very iterative, I can, under- I can understand the mindset of this is good enough. You know, we don't want to fuck around with something that works so well. On the PlayStation side, it does feel like a case of we're jumping into next gen. What does innovation look like? And for PlayStation, that did involve the controller. And I think I think this it's an exciting back and forth because there are cases of companies going for things with controllers, for example, right? That are that that do te- uh, toe that line of okay, is this going to be innovative or is this going to be a gimmick? And with the PS4 controller, there are quite a few features that I look at and I go, okay, well that's gimmicky. Like the touchpad for me is a gimmicky addition to the PlayStation 4 controller. Yeah, and, and you can always you can always tell that. Like it felt like a gimmick from the beginning. And I think what really demonstrated that is like how much does it get used? If you think about the think about the, the DS3, remember the six axis? Nobody really wanted that shit. Like game developers really struggled to find a way to make it work. Just in the same way that a lot of game developers struggled to really make the Wiimote uh, you know, work in their games in a way that actually kind of enhanced the gameplay experience and didn't feel gimmicky yeah. when the ds4 came out the touchpad felt the same way and you, you see and you see that now at the end of the day at the end of the playstation 4 generation that touchpad touchpad was mostly used by game developers as just another button right click the touchpad to bring up the map or whatever yeah all of the, or all like, the kind of or... the, 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 like the really fancy stuff like drawing on it like no one ever really used that shit yeah you know it was used by playstation first party and in, in slight cases right and not used much past that and these things are always fascinating because you don't really know what features are going to get used until they get put out there and so i understand the thinking of okay a touchpad uh in the controller you know it has it has potential i think it was the witcher 3 where you could swipe up on the touchpad and that would bring up your map or you can swipe different directions and that would have different commands and i think right. that stuff has really had really cool potential it just didn't get used in a way even that even that, that though is the fancy d-pad right that's all that, that, that's mm-hmm. all that is and I think the difference is that with, with, with something like the touchpad, the struggle is that, you know, you get this feature and now developers have to think, how can we get gamers to use this feature? As opposed to what they did with the DS5, which is just stuff that's happening too. It's like, well, like it's just like when you pull a trigger, how do we make that existing experience better? Right. And so yeah. I think, I think in terms of what I would like, what I would, what like my, my ideal, I can just tell you what my ideal controller would be, whether or not Microsoft's going to give me this, I don't know. But my dream controller would be the exact form factor of the Series X controller, but with the, with, but with the dual, but with the dual sense features, the mic, the, the microphone, the, the, uh, the speaker and the, the kind of the, the haptic rumble and the, and the adaptive triggers and that stuff. Don't you, so you, like I said, you ain't broke, don't fix it. You don't have to, you don't have to change anything that's already there, but just add mm-hmm. that extra functionality. And that would be terrific. But yeah, like 
that I think that's what's interesting. That's what's exciting about the whole like you know gimmick versus innovation. Where like share the share button also is one that got adopted by Xbox and was on the Switch controller also. And the PS5 I think is a big big example of okay like these are features that these are features that are innovative. Like the adaptive triggers are being used and people love them. The haptic feedback is being used and people love it. Um, uh, and yeah, like for those, I definitely I I definitely think you're gonna get what you want, Gary. Where uh enough developers are seeing value in implementing those features that you know x like for for a future xbox controller why not like this seems like the future of rumble haptic feedback that's that seems like the future of it adaptive triggers seem like the future of where triggers are going to be and so you're gonna i think you're gonna get that 100 yeah and, I, and again i think internally if microsoft are being honest with themselves if you're looking at like a point by point comparison of the playstation 5 versus the next gen xboxes the s and the x uh and if microsoft's saying okay where, where does sony have us beat right now like where do we where do we need to bridge that gap yeah they totally went up them on the controller there's in my, in my, i know this is a point of contention between me and mike me it's no bike mike and i don't agree like he doesn't like the playstation 5 controller and again it's 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 to everyone's preference there are things i don't like about it i still prefer offset sticks which is why i still ultimately prefer the xbox one controller um and i still don't like the uh the kind of the very smooth feel that the play i prefer that rough grippy feel that the xbox controller has over the very smooth comparatively feel that the dual sense controller has but you can't i don't think there's any argument that the playstation that the dual sense isn't a more advanced controller than the mm -hmm. series x one it clearly is and i think microsoft are looking at that thing and where do we need to bridge the gap you know mid-generate because we always see these these refreshes right uh whether it be a pro or a one x uh, or a more you're an elite controller or a slim model of a console like the generation is not locked in place once the once the first version of the hardware is released you're going to see this generation evolve and i would love to see an evolution of the series x controller uh to you know kind of copycat some of the some of the dual set stuff that sony's done my my one request for the ps5 controller because i think the dual sense is perfect i want a version of the controller with the with color added to the buttons because i'm not I, I like i get what they're going for with like the futuristic look like yeah, it looks like something that 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 I I picked up from Detroit Become Human. But like, if I could get this controller with just like the the colors added back in into the the PlayStation symbols on the buttons, be perfect. So maybe I just maybe maybe uh, there's got to be someone that will just sell you some stickers. I mean, there definitely is, but like I, stickers, I feel like wouldn't be enough for the way that the that the. Uh, no, you want to actually like baked in, involved. yeah. Yeah, I want like the I want the colors in there. I don't want to like slap a thing on top. It is, um, and that's the other thing I will I will give them uh, I, I will give Sony credit to this. Like this, the DualSense controller looks like a high tech futuristic, like something that some futuristic like drone pilot would be using or something. Whereas the Xbox Series X controller, as much as they love it, it still basically looks like a toy. It looks like a plastic toy. But the DualSense controller really looks like a, a cool yeah. piece of you know next gen hardware. Story number four: Outriders is delayed this comes directly from their twitter this morning they tweeted out uh one of those big old text images uh that reads like this happy new year we believe it's important that players get to experience a new ip like outriders before release and they underlined before which i think is very interesting uh they should experience a new ip like outriders before release so that you can decide for yourselves whether the game is something you wish to pre-order purchase or play for this reason, we're excited to announce that on February 25th, 2021, we'll be, we'll be publishing a free demo, giving everyone the chance to play the first few hours of the game with all four classes, in both single-player and co-op, along, along with seamless migration of your character and progression to the full game. Speaking of which, we've decided to move the release date of Outriders to April 1st, 2021. No joke. 
we will spend this extra time fine-tuning the game and focusing on delivering a fantastic play experience at launch. Thanks for hanging thanks for hanging tight a little longer. We appreciate your patience, the Outrider team. This one I think is interesting. One from both like the fact that it got delayed, which like it was it was supposed to come out early February. And so cool, kudos to them. Take the time you need, put out a more polished game, all that stuff. Uh I I feel like this is a little this is a little bit of a reaction to Cyberpunk, at least in the language of the 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 text image where they talk about play it's important that players should be able to play a game before launch uh which i find interesting because i wonder how much more that we're going to get this year and in future years of game developers feeling more uh encouraged to be like all right we're going to hold this thing because you know one we don't want to put out a game that's broken that's full of bugs and all this stuff but then also we got to make sure we give people the chance thing or form an opinion or give people a fair shot to like understand how this game is going to be before launch which is kind of a thing that cyberpunk truly screwed up with the console versions and so i think that's interesting also um but yeah gary i you 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 said earlier you don't you're not really too aware of outriders correct yeah i'm not i i don't know enough about it to 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 carry the way whether you know it's it's been delayed because it's not it's not on my radar but i will say in general you know the point that you raised i'll definitely uh, echo that in general and i said this right after the cyberpunk debacle first kind of unfolded i remember saying at the time like how smart does microsoft look now you know delaying halo infinite because that could have been them you know oh, if they yeah. tried to rush it out the door and that would have been 10 times the the disaster um but you know i think that i think that the the fallout from site the, the cyberpunk it's the cyberpunk the cyberpunk <laughs> debacle because it was a debacle um, has really, really lit a fire under other under. It's basically become this like ultimate case study uh, object lesson. It's 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 now like the scary ghost story that like developers tell each other like at night. You know, it's like remember that remember what happened to Cyberpunk. Like, don't let that happen to you. It's really really is like this. This is what can, this is how bad it can be if your highly anticipated game is rushed out the door to meet some kind of arbitrary. Uh, deadline. I mean, you know, the CD the CD Project Red. You know, I mean, their reputation has been permanently damaged. Like, it will never not be a stain on their reputation. We'll we'll be talking about you know Cyberpunk and what and 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 reading about what a nightmare that was and and talking about it as a matter of video game history forever, essentially. And and they'll never be rid of that. And that's particularly tragic uh, for all the developers that worked on it. You know, for so long, only for this to be. Uh, the result and it's a real real shame and if any good can come of it if any good can come from the cyberpunk catastrophe it's that it will now really really scare developers and publishers and show them uh just how bad it can be if you release your game and we've seen it before but we've never seen it as bad as as this where the game was so highly anticipated and the fallout was so so great because they because they fucked up and released a version of the game that they knew wasn't ready uh you know for public consumption don't let it happen to you, developers. Don't let it happen to you. And I think that's, and I, and I think if anything, um, it might hopefully kind of stem this this very unpleasant trend of games being, you know, shipped to hit a deadline rather than, you know, when they're when they're ready. I hope. I hope. You know, we 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 have a, we 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 unfortunately have a tendency to often take the wrong lessons from history. But I hope we take the right one uh, this time, and that this will be be the beginning of the end of a trend of games being released uh, in an unfinished form because we're all sick of it. We're sick of it, blessing, and I and I and I think that we saw that happen. The fact that Cyberpunk was like the most anticipated game, and we ended up being so disappointed by the state in which it released that it came off the back of so many other games shipping in these kind of unfinished states. That this was like kind of finally 
the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back and, and gamers as a community were like enough enough of this shit uh and and so hopefully it will we'll see it'll definitely happen again oh but you know the, the the most we can hope for is it'll happen a lot less do you think there's a chance of a no man's sky style comeback for cyberpunk where five years from now we're all talking about the game like 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 it is the best thing since sliced bread you know where they like cd project reds fixes all the bugs adds expansions adds multiplayer adds all the content that i'm sure they already have planned for their for their roadmap and it, it becomes an entirely new and refreshed game do you think there's a chance that we regain that trust in cd project red in a way that we talk about uh uh no man's i forget the name of the dev but we talk about no man's sky now you know yeah, um, I don't know if No Man's Sky is the analogy that I would use in this particular case. I do, I, I do take your point though, and I do think, and I've said it before, that because you know they they can't afford it, they can't afford this Hello to games, not be the case. Game. Hello Games is a developer, but but, yeah. but for CD Projekt, um, absolutely, absolutely, Cyberpunk will one hundred percent get to a point where everyone's happy. You know, the next gen. I, I don't know if the PlayStation Four or the Xbox, like the base versions will ever be good and i think honestly they should never have released them they should have they should have just said this is a next gen game and just forgot about you know i know it's a big install base and again that's what led them to get greedy and release a game that clearly wasn't capable of running on those platforms at least not with the amount of development time they had put in i my, my predictions i don't think the place the base playstation 4 and xbox one versions will ever get to a place where they're satisfactory but i think the next gen versions will be good and i think the pc version which is already very good will continue to get fixed and yeah like a year from now i think and and, and ongoing i think the legacy of cyber the legacy of cyberpunk will be yeah it's a great game now but woof that launch like and, and that will always be a part of the narrative but it will get to a point that's that i think where people are, are people are like yes this is now the game that it should have been on day one um and that and at that point i will jump in uh that's why I've, I've been hesitant to play even though i've got a good pc i still see people playing on pc having all kinds of problems with bugs and and hitches and things like that and weird glitches so i'm going to wait until the game is like really really solid and then you know whether that's with the next gen console version or the pc version getting a few more patches at that point i will jump in i think if you're looking for a no man's sky analogy the 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 better one might be anthem which wasn't just like it wasn't like oh with anthem like it's, it's clearly a great game there it just wasn't ready it's like it was a mess, like just fundamentally, foundationally a mess. But now they've brought that back inside. Now they're saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to kind of 2.0 this game. We're going to kind of reboot it from the ground up. If there's a no man's sky salvation story ha waiting to happen in the next year or two, I think Anthem is the best candidate. Um, we'll see. I hope so. Again, we, we love a good redemption narrative blessing. We love to see, we love to see people, you know, come back from the dead and, uh, you know, people picking themselves up off the canvas. That's what we want to see. And we ultimately want games to be good. Like none of us really, I mean, I, I think some people do and it's sad, but I certainly don't. I don't think anyone at Kind of Funny takes any kind of pleasure in seeing, you know, like games like Anthem and Cyberpunk come out and be a big mess. Like it makes it it makes good news, you know, for people to, it, 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 you know, it's it, 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 it sparks a lot of conversation. It gets us talking. It's good for clicks and all that kind of stuff. So maybe some people in the media it, you know, relish these kind of, you know, stories where games and developers blow up and, uh, and, and, and really make big, big mistakes. Like Cyberpunk probably drove more clicks um, uh, in the last couple of months as a catastrophe than it would have done had it been like a resounding success, right? Because people love these horror stories. 
But as gamers, nobody wants to see bad games come out. I want to see good games come out. Nothing would make me happier than for, like for, for uh, Bioware to bring Anthem back out. And now it's fantastic. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be great? Like everyone loved that No Man's Sky redemption story. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance. Uh, Gary, I want to talk to you about story number five. But before I do, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of kind of funny games daily is brought to you by ExpressVPN. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in the region they serve. They, they, they then use this monopoly power to take advantage of customers, data caps, uh, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data on to other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing our, our internet activity, Kind of Funny protects its devices with ExpressVPN. So what is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that, encry that encrypts all your net network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your, your ISP cannot see any of your internet activity. Just think about how much, your, how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or a message you send gets tracked by your ISPs or other tech giants who can, sell, who can then sell your information for profit. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash games. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash games to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash games right now to learn more. We're also brought to you by Honey. These days, it feels like online shopping is the only shopping we really do. That's where today's sponsor, Honey, comes in. It's the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically tests them when you're checking out. Here's how it works. You get Honey on your computer for free in two easy clicks. Then, when you're checking out on one of its over 30,000 supported sites, Honey pops up, to, Honey pops up and all you have to do is click, is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons for that site. If Honey finds working codes, it'll apply the best one to your cart. Greg loves this thing and uses it all the time. He saves money on random sites and then turns his Honey credit into, a, into Amazon gift cards. Honey has found its over 17 million members over $2 billion in savings. Honey supports all kinds of retailers, from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands and to even uh, food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and works with whatever browser you use. You can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com slash games. Uh, that's joinhoney.com slash games. So they know we sent you. Thanks, Honey, for supporting today's episode. Lastly, we're brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. Chases are use Amazon, but have you used Amazon Pharmacy yet? That's right. Prescriptions delivered, delivered to your door by Amazon, just like the TP and Funko Pops you're probably already ordering. It saves you time and keeps you out of the waiting waiting in line at the pharmacy. It's easy. Have your doctor's office send your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy. You can use your insurance 
Uh, Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans nationwide. Amazon, Amazon Prime members get free two-day delivery and save on prescription medication when paying without insurance. Tim needed some medication over the break. Uh, he used Amazon Pharmacy, and he says it's easy as all hell. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication when not using insurance uh, and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash GamesRx. That's Amazon.com slash GamesRx. Amazon.com slash GamesRx. Last story. Story number five, uh, Netflix for 3DS and Wii U is shutting down. This is Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. Netflix will discontinue its service for both 3DS and Wii U on June 30th. The streaming giant has now removed its app from being available to download on both older Nintendo consoles through uh, or though Nintendo support websites uh, states Netflix will continue to function on those platforms until the above date if you have the app already. Uh, Which leads me to the question, Gary, where is Netflix on Switch? Why is it not there? What is up with that? I don't know. I like they, Hulu's been there since 2017. I mean, uh, I get and, like, Netflix YouTube's on my on fucking toothbrush blessing. Like, what is going on? <laughs> it's on everything. It's on your fridge. It's, it's on your watch. You it's know, ridiculous. it's it's everywhere. Dude, this news is gonna directly uh, it, it, affect my mom. And they have and they have Hulu, so we know that Netflix. We know that Nintendo isn't um, against the idea of having media apps on there because there's hulu on there i think there might be one of other two things as well but yeah like when you think about it given how ubiquitous things like netflix and like disney plus is another good one to think about because that's everywhere now that's already like in every household um and given that the switch is so ubiquitous feels like it would be a win-win right netflix and disney plus and these places would want to be on all these devices and switch would want to have the extra benefit of saying yeah you can watch netflix and disney plus here just like you can Everywhere else. I know my kid would love it. She watches Hulu uh, on her Switch all the time. I can only assume there's got to be some kind of business uh, hang-up. There's some reason why they can't see IDOI on what the what the deal would look like to put those apps on the Switch. We see this all the time. Like, you know, I, I, there was a thing recently where, like, with Disney Plus, um, uh, wasn't going to be on Roku devices for a while. And then they find, or HBO Max, like wasn't going to be on Roku devices and they figured it out. Like you can't just decide you're going to stick a device, or a, an app on someone's device, like Apple or Roku or Amazon, or whoever's like making the device and providing the service. You have to, you have to, you know, make a deal with them to put the, uh, the app on their, on their device. And, um, uh, there's some weird hangup going on. I, I don't yeah. know. It'd be fact. I don't know why no one's written a piece about it yet. But you're right. The the the, the something the, the 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 absence of something as ubiquitous as Netflix on something as as, as ubiquitous as the Switch is a bit of a head scratcher. I, I, there's got to be a really interesting reason for it because it's such a no brainer. Why why the reason to not do it has got to be really interesting. Yeah, Kevin, you said this affects your mom directly. <laughs> yeah, I mean she she has my old Wii U hooked up to her TV, so it's like. Oh no! I didn't hear the date, but and like, even that has net doesn't even the the Wii U has Netflix on it, doesn't it? Dude, yeah, yeah, and she she literally. Wii... Oh, go she, go for it, Kevin. Uh, she literally like it works perfectly because she will watch it on the TV, and then every once in a while she'll flip it to just the Wii U dock, and that's how she watches it. She sits there holding the Wii U dock sometimes with headphones on because she doesn't want to make noise, and she's gonna be oh, really wow. upset. She's gonna be devastated. I admire that. The Wii, the Wii was like one of the biggest platforms for Netflix when Netflix first uh, started making that big push toward digital. Yeah, I remember getting on every device. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, 
or rest in peace, I guess, to Netflix on Wii U and 3DS. Where is Netflix on Switch? Hopefully we get it eventually. I understand the idea that like you have all these devices, Look. and so why do you need it on Switch? But at the same time, it'd be nice if I, if I could switch Netflix, no pun intended, uh, on, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, mo- it's, it's a portable mobile device with a decent sized screen. To me, it makes perfect. My, like I said, my kid loves watching um, Hulu on her Switch because you can watch it anywhere and it's better than watching it on a tiny little uh, phone. And um, yeah, it, it, it makes total sense. It, it's every time I think it, I was literally just thinking about something. Why the hell isn't there Netflix on this thing? Because it's on every other fucking thing. Yeah. It's, it's even on things that make no sense. So why isn't it on? Why isn't it on a device that makes perfect sense? I don't know. Gary, Gary, I'm very excited to see the day that Netflix eventually makes it way, it makes its way to Switch. But that day is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mama Grop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software on each and every platform, as listed by the kind of funny Games Daily show hosts, each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got choices that matter, and they were eaten for Switch. Uh, Charge Kit for Switch, to die for Switch, and that's the number two spelt out T W O die. Uh, for uh, actually for PC and then billion beat on steam uh, and then a, one new date for you kinetic edge will launch on steam for $12.99 on Friday the 5th of February 2021 uh, of course you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can write in get your questions read on the show just like Gerard B did Gerard B writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says after the train wreck that was 2020 I want to pose the question is the concept of pre-ordering broken? It seems like Cyberpunk 2077 was one of the many games, I'm sadly looking at you, Avengers, who are a little too hyped, uh, or yeah, who are a little too hyped and saw extremely high pre-order numbers that started over a year out. With so many players already invested in the games before they even they they have they have seen reviews or news regarding the games closer closer to launch. It seems being let down or outraged has become the new norm. With the new consoles this year, they put up pre-orders less than three months in advance, and it was catastrophic. To this day, so many are still missing out on the next-gen experience. If you were to do pre-ordering, why not simply say in February or March, quote, hey, we're coming out with next-gen consoles later, later this year around holiday season. Uh, it'll cost you this much money. If you want to make, make, you make sure you get, you get a console, order now before the pre-order deadline of May, uh, end quote. After doing this, adjust the production numbers based on pre-orders and give everyone the chance to pre-order the console. Also slap some captures in there to stop the bots. What are your thoughts on the concept of pre-ordering in 2021? Thanks for all you guys do. Gerard B. Gary, is the concept of pre-ordering in video games broken? Are we talking about hardware or software? Because I feel like those are two different questions. Gerard B ju- du- does talk about both in their question. And I and it, it is kind of apples and oranges where you talk about software and hardware because... I understand the idea of pre-ordering hardware because you want to be able to make sure that that people get their hands on things, and that is more of a tangible that is more of a tangible thing that you will run out of. Like hardware is not unlimited uh, in the way that digital software perhaps is. Um, but yeah, in, th- in this case, we're talking about both, and we can start we can start with hardware because I feel like that's a more of a clear situation. I mean, we talked. I don't know what the solution is. Blessing, and they are two very they are two completely different equations. With the hardware, yeah, the issue is there's always going to be a, a supply constraint. We've seen it every time. I mean, can you can you even remember the last time 
there was a hardware launch that wasn't a mess. I mean, it's just we 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 had like the smartest people in the corporate world apparently had you know from from the from the actual manufacturer all the way to the retailer um have not figured this out. They have not figured out how to beat the bots. They have not figured out how to beat the scalpers. Uh it's I just I don't know what the solution is blessing. I really really don't. The solution might eventually come um through cloud gaming and the idea that you know hard, buying a buying a box of hardware that goes under your tv uh in a couple of generations maybe that goes away maybe you know maybe stadia and x cloud finally get to a point and the internet and internet infrastructure gets to a point where essentially your hardware goes digital becomes a digital purchase the same way that your software used to that you're not you know there's not a box you don't go to the store there's not a, there's not a physical box showing up you know on your doorstep it's just you know your your tv uh, you have you have this kind of ninja you know 10 gigabit internet connection or whatever that is going to allow you to stream you know the latest games from some you know massively powerful you know cloud architecture and you know so there's no there's there's no hardware you know supply constraint anymore that might be the only solution because i don't know i don't know if there's ever going to be a solution to figuring out how to get physical boxes into the hands of people who really want them and yeah. cutting out the scalpers that's it, that's the hardware side this la- last you, year especially that? Yeah, I want to speak to that a little bit because last year, especially, I think, presented a very chaotic and interesting situation with COVID and how that limited store sales. Now, even PlayStation were like, "Yeah, we're not, we're not uh, having uh, walk-in sales for PS5 uh, at at the launch because of COVID and all that stuff to keep people safe." That threw a whole wrench into things uh, that you know led to how chaotic it was. Chaotic playstation 5 sales were and xbox series x sales were um and that would have been chaotic regardless right with covid or without covid in terms of how pre-order pre-orders work with that stuff uh Gerard b like there there are there are so many moving parts in terms of how you order stuff and like how supply works with that stuff and so like when you're pre-ordering right like we all don't pre-order our playstations from playstation directly like we, we pre-order from best buy or walmart or you know some some of us pre-order, do pre-order from playstation but i I, yeah. I got my uh my xbox directly from the microsoft store and that actually ended up yeah. being the best way to do it cut out the middleman yeah and like in the same same for me when i uh with the playstation that I, I got that i ended up selling to my roommate right like i got that from playstation that was a very smooth process but in terms of how this stuff works right like it is very much supply and demand like pre-ordering for consoles is a way to figure out how many people want these things and like f- basically it's for companies to make the decision of all right how how many playstations is walmart going to get from playstation so that they can have that supply and like how does that cap out and like you see you see pre-orders uh open up and close because that is kind of that measure of okay how much can we sell and how much does that does that work and that is very much like a a, um, a, uh, product of capitalism how that stuff plays out and so that's for hardware sales software sales i think are a very are, are a are a more uh, is a more interesting conversation because I personally, for the most part, don't really see the purpose of pre-ordering games. And I say this as somebody who's pre-ordered a lot of games. Like before, before working at Kind of even even while working at Kind of Funny, there have been quite a few games that I pre-ordered because I was very excited for them and because I had trust in them. Like trust that these games are going to be good because you know I know certain developers are talented or I've been looking for this, looking forward to this game forever, right? And that's kind of on me as the consumer uh to be down with that risk you know of whether or not this game would be is going to be bad or not and like the smart thing in in pre-ordering software would be to wait for reviews and that's the thing that i would suggest for people like especially for a big game like cyberpunk for 
in, si in situations where you don't have access to like previews or you don't have access to uh, console reviews and all this stuff, right? Like I would 100% wait and see what people have to say or wait for people to get their hands on it and see if this is really something I want to invest in. But at the same time, for us as fans, like I understand us being impatient and us wanting to have it day one, hour one, minute one to be able to play it off the bat and have it pre-installed and all this stuff. And so it's kind of a weird balance. Yeah, look, on the, like the, the the software side is a very different equation, but I thought there's a much easier fix here, at least from the consumer point of view. Don't buy games at launch. Mm. Don't buy games at launch. And that, 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 that sounds like a terrible thing to say because that would kill the games industry if no one bought games right when they came out. But the, like, no one's going to listen to me. Like, plenty of people are going to buy games when they came out. But the smart ones, the, think, the thinkers like us, like you and me, Blessing, the galaxy brains out there, we're going to wait. We're going to wait to see before we make that commitment. And if you, want, if you want a perfect object lesson, I hate to come back to it again, Cyberpunk. Who saw that coming? Everyone thought... Everyone who pre-ordered that game pre-ordered it in pretty strong confidence that that game was going to be a banger when it launched. And look what happened. So many people got burned. And then it led to that ridiculous refund catastrophe, which is a catastrophe on, a catastrophe on top of a catastrophe. Just what a, what a mess. What a mess. If it can happen to Cyberpunk, it can happen to any, any, anyone, anywhere, at any time. Uh, until game developers and game publishers break the habit of shipping... Uh, you know, games that aren't ready and, you know, need several patches before they're ready to play. It's like I'm, do I'm doing the exact same thing with Cyberpunk. I'm not even going near it until it's patched to a point where I know I'm going to have a solid experience with it. Because if it's a game, especially if it's a game I really care about, because I don't want my first experience with a game I'm excited to play to be marred by bugs and performance issues and broken things and the fact that all, not all the content's fully uh, baked here. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. There's plenty of other games for me to play. I'll get to Cyberpunk when I feel like I'm going to have a really good experience with it. Um, and it's taught us all a very important lesson. And I, I, I've been doing that. I've been saying this. You go back, you know, watch kind of funny over the last year. How many times did I say it to Greg or whoever I was hosted with? Wait, don't buy games at launch because we have shown, the, the industry has shown gamers so many times now, over and over and over, that they're not respected, that they can be treated like mm -hmm. unpaid uh, beta testers. And that's why you see such a big um, trade in, you know, uh, retailers offering all these pre-order bonuses because they they need to find a way to mitigate that. They want you to buy the game right at launch. You know, buy this and get an exclusive skin. Buy this and get an exclusive fucking steelbook case or whatever the hell it is that they think you want. They really, really want you to buy that game at launch and not wait because they worry that if you wait a couple of weeks, you know, the the bloom will come off the rose. The next exciting game will come along and maybe you'll forget to go back and get that game. Like right when the game comes out, that's the moment to sell it to you even though it's probably when it's actually the worst, like the worst time to buy a game is always right at launch, especially if it's an online game, because I guarantee you the backend server architecture is not ready. When's the last time you bought a big, big online service game and had a smooth experience on day one? You didn't, because it's never happened. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've got you've got to wait for the servers to settle down. You've got to wait for them to fix all the issues. Um, and I, I I used to remember, you know, again, before digital distribution became a big thing buying like getting getting your pre-order in for a game early was a big deal because they because again they were they were hardware constrained in the sense that there was physical a physical disc in a box that had to be manufactured and shipped and you know GameStopper who or whoever only had so many copies and if you didn't get your pre-order in early you might not get it until the next shipment i remember trying to go trying to buy fucking punch out on the wii and I couldn't get it because it was sold out everywhere. And that was the only way you could get it because there was no digital distribution on the Wii back then. Now, 
you know, you don't have to worry about, well, how many copies are there going to be at launch? Because there's an infinite number of copies, you know, in digital distribution. Yeah. You can go and get it right away. And you can often get it early. I remember when Animal Crossing came out, we bought physical copies and uh, we were waiting until like eight o'clock at night with our noses pressed up against the window, waiting for the UPS truck to show up. People who had ordered it digitally had been playing it for almost 24 hours by then because they got it at midnight. I'm waiting for like 8 p.m. the next day to get it. So I'm a big fan of digital distribution for that reason. And I do think that, it, and, and, and this is why now you see even on the digital side, them offering all these pre-order bonuses. You know, every retailer does it. Every manufacturer does it. Oh, yeah. Buy, you know, it, order, order this early. We'll give you some extra shit because they really, really need you to buy it early because they need to get you in that window. But gamers are waking up to the fact that it's the worst time to buy a game. So I don't know how that's all going to shake out um you know in the in the months and years ahead but you know I, I i do think hopefully more and more gamers uh will wise up and just just wait a minute before they mm -hmm. before they commit their 60 bucks or whatever to buying a game that might be broken might be shitty you know just wait yeah. a minute Dude, i i used to live and die by best buy gamer club when it was still a thing because that was 20 percent off a new game uh if you pre-ordered it and i think even if it, even if you didn't pre-order it, i think it was just new games period and with that, like I truly like understood the idea of, yeah, dude, I'm gonna pre-order this thing just so I so I can get the deal and because I'm looking forward to it. And like I I'm definitely with the idea of, hey, if you really want to be sure of everything, don't pre-order it. Like wait, like don't you don't have, like wait a day after launch or wait till reviews go up before you before before you commit to buying a thing. I also definitely do understand the idea though of if the last was part this gear for example right the last is part two i think I, I had that pre-ordered up until i got hired at kind of funny nice and, and i expected that i would get review codes right if i wasn't in the situation where i was getting review code i'm fickle i probably would have had it pre-ordered <laughs> like i'm i'm definitely i'm definitely i mean i got i got i got a pre i got a review code for cyberpunk i had it day one and i still haven't touched it again it's not mm -hmm. about the for me in that case it's not about the 60 bucks it's about sure. wanting to preserve the integrity of the experience. Again, if it's for a game sure. I'm excited about, I don't want my, you know, the, the like you only get to experience a game for the first time once, right? And so you want that experience to be good. So why would why would I have a why 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 would I have a suboptimal experience now when I could just as easily park it, play some other games because no 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 shortage of games to play right now. Blessing, in case you haven't noticed, sure. there's a lot of fucking great great games out there right now. Everyone's got a backlog, so just wait. You know, I, I understand people can't do that. Some people are impatient. They got to play the new hotness right now. And if you're if you're in the media or if you're a streamer, there's an expectation that you're going to be playing the games of the moment, right? You want to play the game that everyone's playing. You want to and you want to be a part of the conversation, right? So you know, whatever the latest game is, you want to be a part of that conversation while everyone's playing it. Or you might want to avoid spoilers. There's all, all kinds of reasons why you might want to jump on a game right away. But the biggest reason to wait is that increase what we talked about earlier, increasingly games. The worst time to play a game, if you want to have a good experience, is at launch. Now it's time to squat up. Uh, that Mario Vera, you know him well, uh, writes in and, and uh, with a squat up on Fortnite and Epic Games and says, Hello, KF Daily Crew uh, and best friends around the world. I'm looking for people to squat up and help me save the child and reach level 100 in Fortnite. Currently, level 80, uh, the best I've ever done in a battle pass before. If you're still playing this season, I would really like to hang out with more best friends and get some of them sweet victory royales. If you want to squad up with Mario Rivera on Epic Game Store, uh, you can squad up with him with the username that Mario Rivera. That's spelled T-H-A-T-M-A-R-I-O Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A on Epic. Get them dubs. Play that Fortnite. Get those victory royales. Have a good time. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. We write in and listen to what we got wrong as we got it wrong. 
Uh, what did we get wrong? See here. I'm not saying. I've had a good track record Man. on this recently. Very, very quiet in the You're Wrong segment of the, sh the last few shows that I've been on. Dude, I'm always right. this is like the least amount of You're Wrongs I've seen. Because I'm all, you, you should do the show with me more often, Blessing. You, you won't yeah. get any You're Wrongs. This is shocking. Yeah, yeah you're on point. I'm, I'm um, on fire. I'm on point. Spitting, spitting I mentioned, facts. I mentioned during the show that I, I didn't know how Medal of Honor was, was received. Timmy Buddy wrote, uh, wrote in and mentioned that uh, the Medal of Honor VR uh, is very cookie cutter and does have a number of bugs and issues. I played it and the game freezes during most cutscenes. And so just like what we were go. talking about. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. That's not really you're wrong. Ignacio Rojas writes in and talks about how you can uh, swap out the face buttons, like the, the, the dual sense face buttons and the dual shock for face buttons, which I think is fascinating. I'm not going to do that though. How would you do that without taking the controller apart? No, I, th I mean, I think that is what you do. You would, you would take oh, the controller yeah. apart, which I'm not going to do because I don't yeah, trust not, myself. I, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it for you're wrong. Like, those are the only things. And those were like, I think that was like one you're wrong pretty much. And so, Gary, me and you, killing it. Genius. As always, every time. Always. What a combo. Uh, tomorrow's hosts for the show are me and Tim. Uh, if you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is Mike and Greg playing some of that Bloodborne. Will I make an appearance? Pro probably. I'll probably be there. Maybe the whole time. Stay tuned and see. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.